0: Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R.
1: We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become?
0: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2.
1: Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, everybody. (laughs) We're still wrong.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to come back in. Okay. (laughs) there we go
1: oh good lord I did it for you because you
0: were forgetting and then you undid yourself and then yeah anyway
1: yeah we we just had a little like technical wrestling match right before this show started and it went wrong yes Uh, it did I think it was my fault uh well anyway welcome everybody (laughs) welcome to the true crime squad this is Katie Weaver I'm here with my sister co-host and partner in crime Christy Brower hello hello how's How's it going? going
0: oh it's good We were just watching uh, RuPaul's Drag Race uh, Celebrity Edition.
1: Oh, good Lord. And then I had to
0: pause it and I told Rhonda, uh, i got to go talk about murder now. (laughs) Sorry, man. That's my life, you guys.
1: That is my life. And that's okay. I was at the doctor's office today and one of the receptionists, who I have never met before, as I'm paying, looks up to me and goes, so do you think they have enough evidence to get her? Like, are they going to convict her? (laughs) And I was like, um, yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. She's mm-hmm. like, okay. She's like, I've just been nervous. And I was like, well, did you hear about the details today yet? And she's like, no, I've been working. I was like, it's going to be okay. But it was so funny because I have no idea who that is. But anyway, so, but if she's watching, hi.
0: <laughs> I got my haircut this morning and had a similar conversation with three hairdressers. So mm-hmm. everywhere we go now, well, really, oh, yeah. for a long time, I've been talking about this case to all of my. Doctors, massage mm-hmm. therapist, I doctor whoever and wherever I go.
1: It's just in your head, man. It's
0: just in mm-hmm. your head. Yep. Well, and everyone knows <laughs> you. <laughs> Grand quit RuPaul when Chad Michaels didn't win. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I get having a having a favorite queen, but I can't quit watching. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we just finished season fourteen. I know season 15 just wrapped up. I haven't seen it yet. So don't tell me. Okay. I'm still stuck on willow
1: pill. Not a word. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Phyllis, because I've really got a case of (laughs) some real wild hair going on here and there's just nothing I can do about it. I've
0: got this situation that I don't know what's going on with. We're we're both a little out of
1: pocket. Well, it looks fine, actually. (laughs) I, uh... You guys know, I sit on the board of our local uh, softball association and I had to go sit with 10 U games today and it's really windy. So I tied my hair up and now it's just in this knot that it's going to take shampoo to get out. (laughs) So so here we are. (laughs) It's all right though. It's good. It was good. Um, Yeah. And uh, Mars's team over the weekend, they won their 34th game. And took yeah. second place in their conference. and now they go on to the district tournament or the sorry, the regional tournament over the weekend. So they'll that be playing against awesome. teams from Montana, North Dakota, and Ohio, I believe.
0: Wowza. Oh, yeah,
1: exciting. So then if they win that, then they'll head out into the Midwest for a series, and if they win that, they'll go on to the World Series. So that is so awesome. Yeah, yeah either way, or, or they're done and they come home. So you know, either, either way. way. I'm good either way. They've had a hell of a season. They have played so well. She has played so well. I'm just dazzled. And the team she's going to next year also won their conference and are going on to districts. Uh, yeah, so I've been following both teams. It's been a lot of fun. So, that's fantastic. Anyways, lots of good stuff. But I know some of uh, some of our listeners protested uh, too much banter in the beginning. So, we'll try and not be too bantery. But that's what's up. <laughs> We're very good at talking, okay? Mm-hmm. Very, very good at it. We both talk for a living. You can tell. Yes. <laughs> so good to see you guys all in the chat and welcome. And I hope you guys all had a decent weekend. Please. Mm-hmm. Please have a decent weekend. Uh, you know, we all said on Friday, we're going away. We're not going to talk or think about this case for the weekend. And if you think I didn't talk and think about this case all weekend long. I know. You
0: can't not. Mm-hmm. You can't not. It's just. Ugh. Uh, yeah, there's always another thing we're waiting to hear, you know, like, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, for sure. Well, and I just like you can't escape it on social media. And sometimes I see people like, ask a question or say something that I'm like, I don't do social media fighting. I, I try not to. Sometimes we get comments here on YouTube that I can't resist. But um typically, no. <laughs> but sometimes I have to be like, well, just so you understand, this is why this happened. The big one is still the death penalty. My God, how have we not crossed this threshold yet that people understand why it happened? I know. I think
0: it's mostly um, because people are mad that it happened. So mm-hmm. they don't to accept why it happened. Yes. That's kind of what I find. Like, like I mean, this is why you know
1: right oh what i keep finding people that are trying to you know yell that it was corruption on the judge's part and stuff and i'm like Dude, I've, you know, I, yeah you've i've got had to the, understand what actually happened
0: had some conversations there too because no i mean really he, he he saved the day he saved this mm-hmm. case by doing what he did or right. they would have had to start over start over mm-hmm. do any but- of us have that in us
1: But can we all pause for just a moment to giggle just a little bit that John Pryor was so insistent that he had to have his extension. He wasn't ready. He wanted to see the rest of that evidence. He wanted his crack at the apple. All of that nonsense, right? Had he not done that and gone to trial he also would have gotten the death penalty off the table for his client, but he just wouldn't do it.
0: Right. I know. About I cut off
1: your nose to spite your face or shoot yourself in your own dick or ha- anything anyway, you want know, <laughs> to slice it. I think he did it all. yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm yeah. going with number two. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, and also with Lori, again, Idaho doesn't put women to death. She might've been sentenced with the death penalty, Though I kind of doubt it, to be honest. But even if she had, we have never, Mm -mm. in the history of this state, put a woman to death.
0: Mm -mm. Robin Lee Mm Rose has been on death death row for 30 years for killing her family. Burning her house down and killing her family. And she still has not been executed. It's not going to happen.
1: It would never happen. So she would just sit on death row forever anyway and have way more appeals. So let's Mm -hmm. just... But also, oh, Chad, 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 let's take this moment, Chad, to have a little talk. You're fucked because mm-hmm. everything that has so come out here fuck. is pointing so many fingers at you. Yeah. You don't get the death penalty off the table unless you work a deal right this dang minute. Yeah. And oh, gosh, Chad, you could easily get the death penalty.
0: Yeah, he could. He could because Idaho does execute men? Adults, adult men and mm-hmm. particularly adult men that have that are involved in children murder of children Mm
1: -hmm. so yeah and the evidence about tiley and the timing and dude Mm. you are screwed also chad you would deserve it you would deserve it but also chad your attorney is not a death penalty certified attorney he does not know how to help you
0: No. And he was going to death penalty uh, certified attorney school and then those attorneys got the death penalty (laughs) dropped. So he's kind of screwed. He's missing that class now. He's still in uh, murder attorney school Mm -hmm. showing up at court nearly every day. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he's not in death penalty attorney school anymore because his class got Mm cancelled. So, yeah.
1: I talked to somebody last week who told me that their was it their cousin's boyfriend or something? has been in jail at Fremont with Chatty Boy. Oh, boy. And they said that he spends all of his time in his cell reading the scriptures and writing stuff. But that's pretty much all he does.
0: What has he written in this time? Has he written a bunch of more weird books that somebody's going to publish?
1: I'll bet he has. Yep. I'll bet he has. Not that he can profit from those, but maybe his kids could. Yeah. But, yep. Right. (laughs) Well, and here's the thing, that evidence that Pryor was losing his mind over, it didn't have anything to do with Chad. We know Mm -hmm. that now. And also, that extra piece that they sent out to have the genealogical DNA done on, because they didn't have enough to do it otherwise, could be anything. And what if it's nothing? And it likely is nothing. Yeah. So stupid. No, Pryor's never tried a murder case before. No.
0: No, let alone a death penalty murder case. Right.
1: Is Chad banned from the church? He's excommunicated. Yeah, he is. Yep. Yep. Okay. Hi, Nicole. That's okay,
0: though, because he actually thinks he's the real prophet, you know? (laughs) It's a little like this one time when I was an intern as a social worker. And I'm not making fun of any individual people, (laughs) but I am going to tell you a hilarious story. So I go to the state hospital, like one of the hospitals, like Lori was in and with, with a social worker, cause I'm an intern and we're going to see a particular client that we needed to talk to. So we get in there and we wait and we wait and we wait. And we're sitting in this sort of like general, like, like social area where there are a lot of, of patients in the area, in, in this room. Mm-hmm. And we noticed these two women staring each other down and then they're staring at us and then they're staring at each other. And one of them walks up to us and says, "Ah," and and she had this finger in our faces thing going. And she goes, I want you to know that I'm the real Jesus Christ. She's not the real Jesus Christ. And uh, I was just literally holding my breath because I wanted to laugh so bad and I knew it would be inappropriate. Also, I would get my ass kicked by two Jesus Christs. Okay. So I've heard Jesus Christ can pack a punch. uh, I think so. So it turns out that uh, our client ended up not being able to meet with them. So we were about done right, right. When that happened. And so I am like biting my lip, holding my breath. We get out the doors and you know, these are locked units. As soon as we get out the front door of that place, we both absolutely burst out laughing to tears because it was really funny. And I'm, I always think about that with Chad and being the real prophet. I'm, I'm, Chad the real prophet. is the real I'm Jesus real Christ,
1: prophet. but Lori is the real Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Chandra, it's a really good question. She said, can he and Lori exchange letters? and the answer is we don't know here's what we know know. though well here's the thing typically inmates can exchange letters if they are co-defendants or immediate family so considering that they're married and technically well they're not really well they're kind of co-defendants they're
0: co-conspirators though and i thought co-conspirators were not allowed any contact
1: Well, until their trials are over and they're convicted and in prison. So that's the question. No, they can't exchange letters now. Mm -mm. Sorry, I should have made that clear. No, they can't have any contact with each other currently. But once they're both convicted and in prison, it's possible that they can. Right. After that. Yeah.
0: We'll see if they either of them try to get a divorce or I don't know. Yeah. Just
1: Interesting. Know. But we'll have to ask our legal friends to be certain. But that's what I looked it up a couple of times because we've been asked that several times. And that's what I have come up with is that where they are actually married, it's possible that they will be able to communicate. Don't know for sure. But right now, no. God, no. Mm-mm. However, no. I think Chad is done with Lori. I don't think Chad has any interest in talking to Lori. I think no. Chad has been done with Lori for, well, about three years now. Mm-hmm. But not done enough to turn on her because he would be turning on himself. Yeah. I don't think he can turn on her without implicating himself.
0: Right? Like, how could how would he possibly be able to do that?
1: Mm-hmm. This is why, and you'd have to have been to this case close to the beginning, there was a big fight because Rob Wood, Prosecutor Wood, had a conversation with Summer Shiflet, Lori's sister, right. in Arizona. And unbeknownst to rob her attorney who is that same guy and i'll think of his name in a second i ordered it you know it'll be here in a second mm-hmm. he uh was it smith he mm-hmm. uh he Maybe. was also melanie Pulowski's attorney and melanie gibbs attorney like how is he everybody's attorney but anyway whatever oh garrett smith there you go garrett thank smith. you yep it, it came <laughs> so garrett smith for some reason decided to turn on his recorder and just drop it in his pocket. So he stood there and recorded this whole conversation between Prosecutor Wood and Summer Shifflett, uh, which was okay. But Rob Wood said to Summer that Lori really needed to consider getting a better attorney because her mm-hmm. attorney was Mark Means, who as we know, was super ineffective and didn't what he was doing and was constantly trying to make it about himself and defend himself and eventually made himself a witness (laughs) and had to, uh, you know, got kicked off the case eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But at any rate, when all of that happened and also, I don't know if you know this, but Lori had told an inmate at the Madison County jail that Mark means was her, (laughs) that she had had an affair with an angel in a previous life and had a blue eyed angel baby. And that's who Mark Means was. <laughs> he had come back to her in this life to defend her, her blue-eyed oh. angel baby. I, don't know I if mean, you guys that,
0: but that that part freaking kills me. Yeah, especially just looking at Mark Means. Yes,
1: <laughs> but anyway, Mark. So
0: he cost used to, to wear, wear a bandana in court <laughs> over his face yeah. during COVID.
1: Uh huh. Like a some kind of old, old head some bandana cowboy
0: bandana around. Mm-hmm not much yep. of a blue-eyed angel baby let me tell you
1: mm-hmm. yeah well the blue-eyed angel baby got pissed because here's what happened prosecutor wood told summer Shiflet two things he said i think Lori needs to seriously consider getting a better attorney because she's super underrepresented right now and mark does not understand he would never even had a felony case before i mean come on and now he's got a to triple murder on his hands. Come on, bro. But anyhow, uh, the other thing he said was that he believed that Chad was the mastermind behind this stuff and that Lori had been seriously taken advantage of and manipulated, and that she needed to get a better attorney to help her figure out what to do. Yeah. That's what the prosecutor said. So we've always kind of gone on that that he believed, because a lot of people were like Lori is evil. Well yes, Lori's evil and she's an idiot and we know Lori's a lot Mm -hmm. of things. But he always believed that chad was the guy who really was the the brains behind this it's food for thought i think they both well, were in various the ways
0: source of the dogma that led them to this place i mean you can't yes. you can't deny that he is the one who created all of the light and dark scale and the zombies and all of that stuff that they've
1: been following all the past life stuff that he was All the clearing work that then they'd have to go back and talk to Chad and find out if it was successful. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, for what it's worth, those things were said by the prosecutor a long time ago. Um, So Garrett Smith took that recording and he thought it was very unfair that they were saying mean things about little Marky Means. So he sent that recording to Mark Means. Yeah. And uh, Mark you know, flipped the fuck out and tried really hard to get the prosecutor thrown off the case for it. And Mm -hmm. basically, uh, the judge was like, yeah, he doesn't like you.
0: (laughs) You Yeah. And yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it it went nowhere. No. Other than the judge said that wasn't very cool for one attorney to record another and not tell them. Yeah. That was pretty fucked up.
1: Mm -hmm. And Garrett Smith was like, well, of course, this is Garrett Smith, who defamed Brandon Boudreaux so badly during Melanie and Brandon's uh, divorce, that Brandon came back and sued him and won for twelve million dollars. Yeah,
0: twelve million dollars, people.
1: And he's still all these women's attorneys. Like what the? He's the ladies in court with Zulema when
0: she was here. I don't know how he had any money to fly here. I don't know.
1: <laughs> There's a Just, lot of things wow. I do not know. Mm-hmm. But I do sometimes miss that blue-eyed angel baby. Cause man, the comedic. He was good there. for
0: the comedy. That is mm, for sure. Holy he was good for the comedy. Mm-hmm.
1: However, today was not funny, but man, was it telling. So let's get into it. There's a lot to say. So there we'll is. run through the updates first. Uh we were not in court today. Uh Darla was sick, darn it. So we loved Darla. Much love to her. Uh, Aunt Sue was in the courtroom, however, so we did have that.
0: But we did uh,
1: just rely today on Nate Eaton's notes. Mm-hmm. So Whom Healy- we will always very much appreciate. Yes, Keely Coleman was the first, uh, the first witness on the stand. I will say that uh, Justin Lum said at the end of court today that he's estimating that we've seen forty-nine witnesses with one uh, witness, uh, Detective Chuck Considus, that was recalled for a second time. Mm-hmm. There were over 90 subpoenas sent out. Right. That doesn't mean that they'll use them all. Some of them, it sounds like, may have already been pulled. But it does mean that we're not quite there yet. But no. we're, we're, we're getting we're there. We're humming down the highway. We're humming. Sure. And, and when we see blockbuster stuff start coming out like it did today, that tells you that we're getting a little closer to the finish line. Yeah. Because they want the real punch in the face to be at the end.
0: They do. Because they have not fully proven their case yet. The prosecution hasn't. But they're getting there. Yeah. For sure. Getting there.
1: Well, and the defense initially had said they weren't going to call any witnesses. They had told Nate that at one point. But they made some indication in court today that they may have a DNA expert coming in. So that's going to be interesting, too. I would be
0: surprised if they don't try to challenge at least some of the things that have come up. Particularly some of Today's things.
1: Frankly, I hope they do because they have been pretty lackluster. And I don't want Lori to be able to come back squealing about an ineffective uh, use of counsel.
0: I honestly have a genuine fear that they are, that is exactly what they're doing, is that they are being ineffective. And they're going to come back and say, we didn't have enough time and we didn't have all the evidence and this and blah, 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 blah. blah." So we have to retry this case or whatever. I don't think they'll get a retrial, but appeals possibly Mm -hmm. because they sure aren't trying very hard. There were some things today that I was like, I mean, I'm not a defense attorney, but if I were one, I would have been challenging that they did not challenge. Right. I know.
1: It's 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 weird. It's kind of concerning for sure. Well, let's get into it. So the first person on the stand was Keely Coleman. She's a senior DNA analyst at Bode Technology in Virginia. So remember that Last week, when we heard from all of the scientists from the Idaho State Lab, they had said that the they had sent some evidence off to a different lab that they weren't able to process. Mm-hmm. And that was the duct tape with the hairs on it.
0: Right.
1: So this is where it went. It went to Bode Technologies in Virginia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they talked a little bit about what DNA is and what kind of controls are used in DNA testing, And she said that they received information from the Rexburg Police Department about the Daybell case. Uh, She did want to look at her notes. They gave her the okay to do that. Uh, Pretty much all of these professionals have asked to do that. It's a lot of info, you know, and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. numbers with the uh, DNA stuff.
0: When you think about how many DNA cases they may be working at a time, like it's Mm -hmm. a lot.
1: So she said in May, 2022, she received three DNA profiles, one for Lori Vallow, one for Tylee Ryan, and one for Melanie Gibb. She also received several items of evidence, including a hair attached to an adhesive. Remember that? So she said we were trying to focus on the hair. They had to go through several steps to process it. They determined how much DNA was in the sample and then made lots and lots of copies so that it because that was consumable mm-hmm. that was the consumable evidence part of it that everybody was so up in arms about yeah yeah there were lots of fights about that that and the uh blood on the pickaxe handle yes both of those things but at any rate uh so they made all these copies so that it's very available for another professional to come and look it back over right so here was the uh the barn burner It was a partial DNA profile and it matched Lori Valo Uh, she said the probability of randomly selecting a random individual in relation to that profile is one in 71 billion. Yep. The hair belongs to Lori. Yeah. Yeah. Stuck to duct tape
0: that wrapped around JJ. Yep on the outside of the bags i think that's important to remember it It wasn't in on the pajamas where his pajamas could have just picked it up Mm -hmm. it was on the outside of the bags
1: yeah yep which to me says that laurie completely we took it all we brought them to our land (laughs) an endless night Ember, hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become?
0: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2.
1: Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, Participated in murdering JJ. Because we know that JJ was wrapped up like that. And then he died, which means Lori and Alex and Mm -hmm. maybe Chad, we don't know on Chad. Sounds like it was probably Lori and Alex, uh, wrapped that little boy up alive and wrapped him in that whole getup so that he would suffocate and die. And she absolutely had a hand in it. And we have proof of that now. Yeah. Yep. That's horrifying. It's horrifying. And yet, this is the evidence we've been waiting for. Everyone has said, remember, we all said it last week, I'm getting nervous. Where's the forensics on Lori? Where's Lori's involvement? We need to see it. Right? What's her? Yeah. Well, this is it. This is it. There's no more forensics on Lori. This is it. Yep. But what we believe is that what we will still see are the text messages. We still believe that there is a lot of uh, digital footprint to come. We don't Mm -hmm. think we're going to see phone pings anywhere near Chad's residence when Alex was Mm -hmm. there. That's not going to happen. She She wasn't there. Exactly how to set up Alex. Yep. They had a whole plan here to keep certain people's hands clean and to protect Miss Lori.
0: It's all about protecting Lori, remember?
1: But, guys, it's going to be in this hair and the text messages. That's where it's at. So, watch for that. When we start hearing the text messages, that's when we know we're getting close to the finish line.
0: Absolutely. I think you're right. You know, here's the other thing though, because this was definitely evidence that could have been challenged by the defense, which Mm -hmm. maybe they're going to bring in their own person and challenge it that way. That's very possible. But why were there no questions about secondary transfer? Secondary transfer means Lori's hair got on JJ's pajamas, or it got on, you know, because mm-hmm. you live in the same house as a person, you find their hair on you sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or um, Alex, who had a lot yeah. of contact, or you know, obviously, mm-hmm. Chad, right? Yeah. Why were there no conversations about that? Mm-hmm. Because that is certainly something that they could have challenged this expert with, but they didn't.
1: They, they asked didn't. her a little bit about DNA,
0: and that was kind of it. Yeah. But but it does make you wonder, like, is this because they're going to have their own expert challenge this entire bit of evidence? Or Mm -hmm. is there a strategy here in which they are going to let her be found guilty and then go back in appeals? And, you know, because they all of the stuff that came out of Arizona, all of the stuff about Charles's death, all the stuff about the Brandon Boudreaux shooting, they have, um, you know, uh, did not want in and, and yeah. got in. And I'm afraid that they're going to go back and try to say that all of that evidence should have never been admitted. Mm-hmm. And that may be their strategy or at least part of their strategy. Mm-hmm. But that hair was not on JJ's clothes. It was on the outside of the plastic. Yeah. I mean, how many, we've all done duct tape. How many times have you gotten your own hair in the duct tape? If you had long mm-hmm. hair and you're wrapping duct tape around something, how many times mm-hmm. have you gotten one of your own hairs in that?
1: I we think have literally important. been saying this since JJ was found. We have been saying this exact same thing for three years. The evidence that will convict is on that duct tape. It has to be, Mm -hmm. and it is, because duct tape picks up evidence. I mean, that is
0: that is a place that we've all done it. You know, you get you get it stuck on your hand. Your fingerprint is in the adhesive. You get your hair in it. Like we've, that's such a a universal thing to happen with using duct tape.
1: So now we have Alex's fingerprints on the duct tape and Lori's hair in the duct tape. Yeah. Yep.
0: All Uh, right. The other thing, uh, sorry, I just have one more soapbox about this. Yeah. That evidence is not evidence in a vacuum. That is evidence that confirms what we've already heard in lots of other ways. Mm -hmm. And so the DNA by itself, you know, even if there's a question about it, or if there's a question about when the hair got on there or how it got on there, You don't just look at it by itself. You look at everything that led up to this and Mm go, oh, yeah. So she was, you know, she was there, right? Mm -hmm. The maximum charge on conspiracy is life. Yeah. Yeah. She is charged with conspiracy to commit three murders. And she is charged with first degree murder in two murders. Mm -hmm. So she's got five shots at life, guys. Mm -hmm. Yep. Do we really think they're that smart? I do, actually. I know that John Thomas comes off like an idiot. And I know that, you know, he tried. Well, I saw it in a movie and blah, blah, blah. You need to understand that John Thomas broke a case in Idaho a few years ago that got um, a man out of prison who had been in prison for 22 years for a murder he did not commit. He Mm -hmm. is no idiot. No. Look up the Angie Dodge case. And and we actually covered it if you want to go look it up in our Mm stuff. But he is no idiot. Neither is Archibald. They're playing a role. Remember, Mm -hmm. law is theater, guys. It really is. They're playing a role. They're coming Mm -hmm. across stupid. They have a strategy. They're they're dumbing down evidence for the jury. Yep, they are. Because they are not dumb. I know it seems like that. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to when it really counts, like, I don't know, getting the death penalty dropped from this
1: case, they're very skilled attorneys. Mm -hmm. What they also have not done (coughs) is get their feelings hurt engage in pissing matches waste a bunch of time trying to grab little threads and unravel things they've been patient they've waited for the big scores and the big payloads and they've gotten them yeah 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 so we we cannot
0: count them out we cannot count them
1: out yeah yeah no we cannot all right well let's keep going so thomas had just asked a few things about the uh the process of DNA, like it wasn't a lot. And then uh, Wood came back on redirect. And I thought this was an interesting question. He said, your statistics were one in 71 billion. What is exactly does that statistic mean? Coleman said, that means if I were to stick my hand into a hat of DNA profiles, I would expect to see this profile one in 71 billion times. That seems pretty definitive to me.
0: Well, there are 8 billion people on this planet, so yeah. do that math.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, Thomas was given a PowerPoint presentation from the state. He asked for a recess so that he could review it, so that he could know whether to object or not. <laughs> so they took a quick break. Uh, when Again, they came-
0: dumbing down, playing dumb, yeah, acting like he hasn't had this evidence before, which is Complete and total bullshit. Mm-hmm. They have all of it and have had it for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. But that's strategy. Mm-hmm. So then the state calls Rick Wright. Lindsey Blake was on uh, direct. Wright was a FBI special agent for 24 years before becoming a contract special investigator. He was the Violent Crimes Against Children coordinator in Denver from 2007 to 2018. And his job was to investigate crimes against uh, or involving missing, abducted, and trafficked kids. Man, I would love an afternoon to chat with this guy. Right. Wow. Uh, what it's credentials, man. That. Yeah. So in 2018, he transferred to the Salt Lake Field office and was assigned to the resident agency in Pocatello. Pocatello is about an hour and a half from here, about 90 miles. Uh, he was one of the five special agents in Pocatello at the time. So when the kids were missing and they were first uh, like searching for him outside of behind the, the jail, they had, there's a big parking lot back there and they brought in an FBI mobile unit mm-hmm. along with several FBI agents, you know, to man it. And it was here for many months. And then maybe two or three-ish weeks after they found the kids, it was gone. But they were here in town working for many months. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, so missing he, children's cases always involve the FBI, That's yeah. part of their mandate.
1: Yep. Yep, for sure. And he would have been uh, one of them that was here. Mm-hmm. So uh, he did say that uh, in the beginning, of course, they only knew that Tylee, or that JJ was missing. And then fairly on, they realized that there was a sibling, Tylee Ryan, that was also missing. So there were all these agencies looking into different things. So, two police departments in Arizona working on different parts of this, the Fremont County Sheriff's Office, and the Rexburg Police Department were all involved. So, Fremont was looking at Tammy's death, Chandler Police were looking at Charles' death, Gilbert Police were looking at the shooting of Brandon Broudreau, mm-hmm. and Madison was looking at the, both of the missing children.
0: Yeah. And they then all... in come the
1: FBI. Yeah. So, this is where it got soups interesting. Blake asks Wright if he met with Ian Pulowski. Ding 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 ding
0: ding. Been waiting for his name to come up.
1: Ian Pulowski is married to Melanie Pulowski, but understand, Ian Pulowski and Melanie Pulowski got married the same weekend that Alex and Zulima did. Yeah, that was right around Thanksgiving of 2018, mm-hmm. and they had only known each other for a couple of months at best. Because yeah. Melanie also me is, uh, you know, a kind of a little-known fact. It never gets talked about. But Melanie also had rented a, a townhome in the same complex where yeah. Lori and Alex were. She had one too, right by Lori. She did. And she met Ian there. Ian was uh, very recently separated from his wife, or very recently divorced from his wife. Uh, Ian had some domestic violence charges here in town, mm-hmm. and there had been some some big issues in, in that family and. At any rate, those two somehow met up and became a thing. And so, you know, supposed to be part of that 144,000. Everybody needed to be married. So they took off to Vegas and got married the same weekend that Zulema and Alex did.
0: Strangely, because again, this is where things really go off the rails for Mormonism. Because right, Mormons don't, true blue Mormons don't usually elope. no, And they usually get married in the temple. Yeah. So I've always found that interesting.
1: Like that was not. But these couples weren't qualified to get married in the temple.
0: No, they weren't.
1: No. So, um, but you know, they were all ascending to greater heights and didn't need to follow the rules anymore. So. Right. Pretty interesting. And and who knows? I I had thought that maybe Chad was going to do a, a ceiling on them, you know, to kind of take it upon themselves to do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So at any rate, um, So Ian Plowski, this gets interesting. We've been begging. I still hope Ian gets on the stand. I was really glad to hear his name today. So after they got married, kind of before and then after, he starts hearing all of this nonsense from Melanie about uh, all of their beliefs and from Chad and Lori's beliefs. And he starts realizing, holy shit, I have married into a complete nest of snakes. Yeah. And so he goes and talks to the police. And says, hey, this stuff is going down. These kids are missing. Like, I'm super uncomfy.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Wisely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so he goes and talks to the police. Uh, after the conversation, Wright said his conversa- or his concern for the kids' safety increased. Oh, yeah, it should have. Mm-hmm. And it did. The police knew from the get-go the kids were gone. They'll say that now. They knew from the get-go the kids were deceased. It was just about finding them. Yeah. uh he was asked to consensually record some conversations that he was a part of. so he did yeah so he actually wore a device from the Rexburg Police Department. They have copies of those conversations and damn it I wanted to hear those. I
0: know i I don't know if we ever will or if they're just using his information if we will ever hear from Ian himself on the stand I
1: know if we don't we'll we will be able to request those later mm-hmm. in public records requests. But I would love to have heard some of that. But yeah. at any rate, uh, then he talked about uh, Agent Nick Balance, who we heard from last week, who testified mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, he said when records would come in from various phones that we requested from the carriers, they would go to him for analysis. And he was feeding information to us to give us potential avenues of, edu- of investigation. So are you understand? are you hearing that? They were tracking their phones. And what they were doing with them in real time. Yeah. And, you know, keying into things that were interesting or concerning. Yeah. And this is
0: December 2019. Yeah.
1: Yep. So then they start going through this whole slideshow. It was the same thing that was given to Thomas. And uh, talking about different uh, people's cell phone activity. And they're really just replaying. All of that cell phone activity from Alex's, I'm not going to go through it again. We've been through this several times, but this is Alex from being at his unit in the complex or at Lori's being out at Chad's house, you know, on the, the key dates that we know about being at the shooting range on the key dates that we know about and basically really tracking Alex, uh, man, he left quite the footprint. He, he did
0: but he's the only one
1: who did a, this one really interests me i was talking i to i think it was to to sue about this the other day alex was at rexburg maverick at 11 32 a.m on september 8th
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the breadcrumbs as it goes they went to yellowstone right right and then they leave the park around 6 40. they stopped and got food while they were there they went to old faithful and that's it right Mm
0: -hmm.
1: well then that night he's back at lori's house around 8 37 p.m at 9 43 he goes to maverick again a gas station for about 10 minutes Mm-hmm. do you think that it's possible that he bought a can of gas?
0: It do. I think that could be very likely that that was what that purchase was.
1: Yeah. Really made me wonder if that was the moment where, because we know Accelerate was used with Tylee. Yeah. If that was the moment that he probably had some marching orders from Chad that he's going to need to bring some gas out here because it was the next morning, but he's out at Chad's house mm-hmm. with Tylee, we think. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Frankie, here's the thing about that with um, with Melanie and Ian, after she found out he was recording her, they went on the news together and did an interview. We have an episode on it. We should probably bring that yeah. back to life Yeah, uh, so that you can hear uh, about that. Because yeah. they did actually interview about it. And, and that's when, you know, Melanie knew by that point that
1: mm-hmm.
0: he had been doing that. Yeah. But Melanie talks in circles to the point that you have no idea what Melanie thinks about anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You think Melanie Gibb is hard to listen to or, or her her kind of husband? Um, yeah. <laughs> Melanie <laughs> Pulowski is word salad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah i'll bet you that's exactly what that was because yeah why and there's a maverick not very far from where those townhouses were, where they
1: were living yep yep that's what i'm thinking so but that night alex did something totally different than what he normally does yeah. it looks like he was typically at lori's in the evenings until around midnight-ish and then he'd go home yeah. well that night he was at laurie's house from two forty-two a.m to 8.49 a.m. in the middle of the night. It was the only time that he was tracked in that apartment between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. And that I think is pretty telling.
0: Yeah, because that's likely when Tylee was killed.
1: Yep. And they had quite a few data points there at 4.37 a.m., 4.39 a.m., 4.41 a.m., 5.14 a.m., yada, yada, yada. Yeah, uh, but he was at Lori's house all night the night that Tylee was killed but he got there around 2.42 a.m. yeah so were we ambushing Tylee in bed
0: mm-hmm.
1: it really makes you wonder if they also pinned Tylee down and, and suffocated, suffocated her. her
0: I know I really do question that
1: mm-hmm. yeah So then, of course, as we know, then that morning, there's lots of data points showing him out at Chad's house. And then we know (laughs) by 11.45 a.m., he's coming back into Rexburg and stops at Del Taco for 10 minutes.
0: I can never eat at Del Taco again, ever. No. And I used to like them. I can't. Like, they did those horrible things to Tylee. And then he goes to Del Taco for lunch. What? Yep. Ugh. Awful. Uh, Lori, why are we not hearing any incriminating texts between Lori and Alex and or Chad? Those are coming, my friend. Don't you worry. They exist and they are
1: coming. Yep. They are coming. Yep. So I'm going to say, you know, we heard a lot of stuff last week about Alex's pings that made us think that he was there not as long as... Uh, that he was only there a few minutes,
0: but Today's that's not what was
1: said different. today. Yeah, yeah. Today they said numerous data points were recorded between 9:15 a.m. and 9:45 a.m. at the Daybell residence. By 11:45 a.m., the device is traveling southbound and returns to Rexburg. There were four major data points right observed during the time that Alex was at the Daybell property. A data point appears at the shed at 9:21 a.m. With a six meter radius margin of error at 9 22 a.m there's a data point uh at a gate into the property it's on that side where the blacktop uh driveway is There out to the back of the property mm-hmm. uh no quality data points are received until 9:39 a.m another data point is received at 10 57 a.m which kind of takes me back to where we had been before last week right that he was at that property for a couple of hours. He was.
0: So he at least helped with some of it. But it took way more than a couple of hours to do what they did to her body. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. as ineptly as they did it.
1: Mm-hmm. But it does have to make you wonder. Because, I, you know, after that, last week, I'm like, Chad did all of this. Chad did all of this. Nah. I think not. I think Alex was there and helped with Tylee. Now, with JJ, it's a different story. but. hmm So let's get there. So, of course, we know that. Now, so we're going to move to September 22nd. This is the last time that JJ was seen alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alex went back and forth between Lori's apartment and his apartment uh, a few times between 4.29 p.m. and 12.11 a.m. Now remember that uh, they had company, they were doing the podcast, you know, Chad had been there, Melanie was there, David was there. Mm -hmm. there was all that going on uh alex does not move from his apartment from 12 11 a.m to 9 41 Mm a.m at 9 41 a.m the device travels from his apartment to chad daybell's home it arrives at 9 55 by 10 12 so about 20 minutes he departs the residence southbound and goes to lori's apartment and stays there for an hour so two data points were recorded on, you know near the pond and of course that's why they looked there for JJ and found him right so as we know JJ was found by the pond and Tylee was found by the tire, the fire pit a <sighs> couple of interesting things Alex visited Dan's window tinting in Rexburg on September 23rd for five minutes then he visited it twice on September 25th. They think that, it sounds like they think that he had the windows of the Jeep tinted. hmm To make it a little harder to, uh, you know, see who was in it. hmm The use of the Jeep, I guess they didn't uh, bank on what good friends Brandon and Charles were. Yeah. Where did Lori say Tylee was that night? So Lori had told Melanie Gibb and David Warwick that Tylee was in college. So here in Rexburg, there is a university. It's called BYU-Idaho. And it's a, it's a Mormon college. And she told them that Tylee was going to college and that she was living on campus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ludicrous because Tylee was 16 and couldn't have been living on campus.
0: No, definitely not
1: uh and they did have someone from the college earlier in this trial uh testify that they she had never applied or been a student or anything no no it's just a big lie yeah so anyway so i thought that was interesting about the uh the window tint Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so after Lori and alex abandoned their Rexburg apartments the property managers found two cell phones in alex's unit which of course the police uh, took custody of and mm-hmm. they were ones that they'd been purchasing at Walmart. They'd been buying burner phones at Walmart. Yep. Chad had done that too.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: they moved to admit the Walmart phone receipts into evidence and Thomas objected to that. Yeah. I don't why it was overruled. It was more nonsense, but on september 30th alex's device was in laurie's apartment on october 1st and 2nd it's in alex's apartment the whole time on october 3rd alex's device is back in laurie's apartment for the first time since september 30th data points on his phone are recorded at the sportsman's the gun club we talked about the gun club on friday uh Then he went to Walmart and then back to the gun club. I'm guessing he went for more ammo or another gun or something. I mean, he only had 46 guns.
0: Right. Well, he did a lot of, he spent a lot of time at shooting ranges, like Mm -hmm. a scary amount of time at Mm -hmm. shooting ranges. He was clearly prepping for things.
1: Mm -hmm. Didn't help. He was still a terrible Uh, shot. Then he visited the gun range again on September 26th and September 27th. On October 7th, he visited multiple gun ranges, multiple gun ranges in one day. And then on December 8th, he visited two gun ranges. Now, Tammy was shot at in her driveway on October 9th. So he was prepping for the final over there, going to a bunch of different ranges and shooting to try to get, you know, to be a better shot. Right. Yeah. What was the deal with the trip to Yellowstone, Lori? I don't know. Right? I don't know.
0: I think well, and it was a weird trip. They didn't leave until like almost noon, and they were back home by like eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And it's a two-hour drive to Yellowstone, so they didn't spend very much time in Yellowstone. They like just went to Old Faithful,
1: pretty much. And then they stopped and ate at a barbecue place in. West, Je- in West in which West, was West, West Yellowstone. A good hour, probably too. I mean, yeah, it wasn't much of a trip.
0: No, it really wasn't. And, it, you know, to, to, if you've ever, well, you know, you guys don't live here, so you don't know, but if you, you know, if you're going to drive and go take the day in Yellowstone, because we literally live where you can go do a day trip, sure. You leave first thing in the morning and you get home well after dark so that mm-hmm. you get as much daylight in the park as possible and then visit as many places as possible. Mm-hmm. It's really weird that they, just did like the one day, and it does seem like was this sort of a goodbye thing, or was it to kind of keep the kids from being suspicious that, oh, they're going to do this family thing? Maybe they're back to acting normal again. I, it's
1: odd. Well, like Craig, you said it, were they scoping out a way to have an accident?
0: Right, which is possible. But totally you can understand possible. how many millions of people visit Yellowstone in a year. Mm-hmm. Yellowstone, unless you know the backcountry of Yellowstone, mm-hmm. it is not a good place to kill somebody.
1: Well, yeah, it, unless you're not going to alone, you know, be
0: country, alone, you know uh, and you're certainly not going to be alone at Old Faithful. There are well, no. zillions of people there.
1: Right. They were right in like the thick of the touristy stuff. Yeah. They if were. you get into the backcountry of Yellowstone and know where to go, unfortunately, it would be a brilliant place to disappear somebody. But right. that's not where they were. Mm-mm. But at any rate, so that that yeah, is weird. Yeah.
0: But maybe they didn't know that, too. Because they are not from here Mm -hmm. and so you know if you live here you know stuff like that but they wouldn't have
1: Mm -hmm. so wright went to sportsman's and pulled all of the receipts during the time alex would have been there and he caught one receipt that grabbed his attention he said there were around 60 receipts and most of them were paid with credit or debit cards the one that caught his attention was a cash receipt There were five items on the receipt, including a pair of frog-tog rain pants. Well, as it happens, the property manager at Alex's apartment had a pair of frog-tog rain pants. Mm -hmm. And also, there was a ski mask, soft drink, and gloves on the receipt. When he was at the store, he also...
0: wore to shoot at Tammy.
1: Yeah. And Brandon, maybe. Yeah, Maybe. When he was investigating at the store he learned that a camo beanie listed on the receipt was no longer in stock but all the other items were so they had photos of everything that he bought that they could the gloves were like the gloves that are mittens that uh, you can pull the mitten part off and then you have your fingers clear i don't know why that was a weird choice to me i'm not Mm -hmm. sure if that means anything but then they see an image of a three-hole ski mask that he did purchase uh not the actual one but a picture of one mm-hmm. and then the frog tog pants uh yeah so yeah these are things that uh they believe uh that he wore when he shot at tammy <laughs> this this search on the homer j maximus account he searched for frog tog sizing for pants
0: so, <laughs> his pants i mean <laughs>
1: yeah what type of pants do i wear yeah
0: mm.
1: So on October 9th, his device leaves Sportsman's at 412, travels north on Ammon in the vicinity of Chad's house. It doesn't stop, but drives by and continues on U.S. Highway 20. Then the driver turns around and drives past the Daybell home again before returning to Alex's apartment at 516 p.m. Then the device remains at the apartment until 1128 the next day. Then they show a canal that's behind Chad's house. And they said the road there is fairly narrow and there's no shoulder. He was looking for a possible location where a person could have gone uh, or if there was a vehicle nearby that could have parked, like a getaway vehicle, right? There's not really a place for a vehicle, he said, but right near where this canal is, there's a little pull-off that would fit one vehicle. So they weren't sure if he would maybe parked Somewhere a little closer than they initially thought.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, When he bought the cell phones at Walmart, he bought one on October 8th, but didn't activate it until October 9th. Then 10 messages were sent between this device and Chad between 713 and 1030. Uh, Alex's other phone was recorded staying at his apartment that entire night. It was the new phone that he was using to text Chad. They get burner phones but then they're using them um and still getting tracked on them <laughs> okay jan mm-hmm. seemed like it helped you much right all right so however the cell phone carrier did not keep the text messages and nothing was able to be traced from the new phone they don't know what was said then they go to lunch when they come back from lunch On October 16th, the device associated with Alex left Lori's apartment and went to the Comfort Inn in Hurricane, Utah. Hurricane, Utah is not too far out of St. George, Utah.
0: Yeah, it's quite near. And it's it's Hurricane.
1: Hurricane, that's right. That's how they say it. I don't know why. Right. It looks like Hurricane, but Mm -hmm. okay. So he went to Hurricane that night and then the next day drove into Las Vegas to the airport. And then on the 18th, it went back to Rexburg. Lori had flown from Las Vegas to Hawaii on October 17th. Right. So he was couriering currying her. Mm-hmm. Then they had a map explaining his uh, device on uh, October 18th. It was at Chick-fil-A in Idaho Falls. Then it was at the Salem LDS Church near Chad's house from 10.07 to 10.45 p.m., then from 1045 to 1053 p.m. without any data. And then the next data point is near US Highway 20 at eleven fifty-three. Yeah. The device does not go back to Alex's apartment, rather, it goes to the Hilton Garden in in Idaho Falls. This was the night that Tammy died. So after whatever time he was there, they were in uh he went to a hotel 30 yeah. miles away. Like, is that more of their attempts to be tricky?
0: I guess. I don't know. Unless.
1: Uh,
0: I don't know. It, that, that one is weird, but yeah. it, it does make me think that this was just an, an attempt to, yeah, to throw off the. Yeah. The police. It, it didn't work, but.
1: No, real confused about that. But then again, you know, just to, uh, Reiterate that he was right in that area at the uh, from ten forty five to eleven fifty three. Now they don't know exactly what time Tammy died. The original coroner put her time of death at one point. The ME today said something a little bit different, uh, but they don't know for certain. And Chad's data points, or well, Alex's data points, still lead me to believe that Tammy died somewhere around. Eleven thirty ish, yeah. Because I can't imagine Alex wasn't there for this, and and we'll get into it,
0: right? Why else would he have been there mm-hmm. that night, especially now that we have the details about how she was killed? Mm-hmm. He was there. Yep,
1: going in that little back door in that weird garage area. Yep. So no further questions on uh, for him for for Wright. Again, Thomas does across acting, asking again about his, uh, all the stuff that he does, uh, all of his training, and then talks a little bit about his interaction with Ian Pulowski. Oh, he asks how long it takes to develop data when you can develop a pattern on a person. He said, if I saw something happen every day for a week at a certain time and place, I would start to think it's a pattern. In
0: -hmm. this case,
1: I only had those two months to look at. He had September and October. He Mm -hmm. said, when I say pattern, it's based only on that information. Sure. Uh, He said, Alex did not have much of a pattern. His activities really varied day to day.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, he wasn't working. Mm -hmm. He -hmm. was being the warrior, just Mm -hmm. doing whatever. He didn't have anything to give him a routine. Like most of us would be really consistent, you know, about when we're home and when we're not, especially if we work outside the home, you know would be really consistent yeah but he didn't have that really
1: no no he was just doing his marching orders yeah he was so that's pretty much it I mean well here was one question he asked that I thought was interesting Thomas asked right about the phone associated with Alex being at Chad's house on September 23rd based on your training your experience your knowledge working with the FBI that's not enough time to dig a hole dig a grave, chop up roots and around the grave, find stones. 17 minutes is not enough time to do all of that. This is what uh, Thomas says to Wright. Wright says he was there when JJ was found and he believes it would have taken a lot more than 17 minutes. Because remember, Alex was only there for 17 minutes the day that we believe JJ was buried.
0: That was just drop off a body. Yep. But remember, Chad's the pro grave digger. mm mm-hmm. He even wrote a book about it literally mm-hmm. so i'm sure that that was his job you know
1: mm-hmm. so blake on redirect uh she asked for clarification on that she said you were also asked if 17 minutes was enough to dig that grave in your opinion would 17 minutes be enough time for one person to dig the grave right says it would be hard for one person to dig the grave blake asked if it was possible for more than one person to be involved he said yes and reminds everyone that the 17 minutes is the time the device was there and not necessarily the time it took to dig the grave site right the yeah yep <laughs> so at this point blake asks for a sidebar thomas before he stands up and heads out to the sidebar turns around and apparently his daughter was sitting right in front of nate turns around and gives her a thumbs up and a wink, and then heads off to the sidebar. <laughs> uh, you guys, Thomas, Thomas grinned at us one time in court in Fremont County, and I about peed my pants laughing because not in front of him. I'm, you know, I, I'm decent, but uh, he looks like a Muppet.
0: He kind of does, yeah. He has a real goofy smile and goofy look on his face. I can only, smiles. when
1: I read that from Nate today, I died. I'm like, I know that look. I know exactly what mm-hmm. that looked like. Yeah, Dude looks like a Muppet when he smiles. And that's mm-hmm. all I have to say about that.
0: <laughs> He's damn good at playing dumb. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He is not dumb. Mm-mm. It's important to remember that just because this defense comes off like it's inadequate, comes off like looking like they're bumbling, they're not.
1: They're not. They're not. They this have a is plan. a game
0: mm-hmm
1: then the prosecution knows it. Mm-hmm. They have they gone up against yeah. these two men a million times. They
0: have, yes, they know them well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So then they call Dr. Eric Christensen to the stand. This is the chief medical examiner for the state of Utah. Yeah, As we've been waiting for this. We thought this might be the first witness this morning, not the last, but here we are. So he explains his background in forensic pathology. He was a forensic pathologist in Virginia and South Carolina before he came to Utah. So you have to understand, in Idaho, we have coroners. And as you know, they are quite untrained, you know, and they're the person that's supposed to investigate the death and decide if there's anything that needs to come from it. Well, in Utah, they have medical examiners. Yeah. Idaho should change how they do things. That's pretty clear. You know, I'm never going to. so many ways. Yeah. I'm never really going to vilify the coroner. I think she did as well as she could with the training she had. She did. But uh, I've seen a lot yeah, of really obviously. mean stuff about her online. And I also talked to a family member who said that she's been harassed horribly. i bet that, she and has. It and sucks. I don't think she really deserves it. I know. I know what she missed. I do get it. But for the amount of training that she actually had. And in a county where murder doesn't really happen. Maybe it happens right. more than we think. Uh like this was but it's not, not a common thing no murder was not on her radar at all anyway so that's all on that i, I think that it's not fair for her to be doxxed and harassed and threatened you no, know she, it isn't she's won another term as coroner since then i mean people in fremont county do have confidence in her and i'm sure she learned a hell of a lot from this oh I'll bet she did Because she was present in utah she went to utah for the exhumation and for the uh for the autopsy
0: yes,
1: so he was present Christensen was present for the exhumation he said uh they like to have somebody from their office there when that happens he said uh, through his career he's been involved in a dozen or two exhumations they aren't common which i would assume that uh Blake wanted to know if a body's exhumed, does it make it more difficult to do an autopsy? Christensen said most of the time, the deceased person has been embalmed, so it makes their tissues stiffer, but it also helps to preserve the organs and tissues, etc. So, no, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. He said Tammy's casket was dry, and the conditions were fairly good when it came in t- to do the autopsy.
0: Uh, well, and she hadn't been buried for very long.
1: No. He asked to describe how an autopsy is done. He explained you know, that they check over the entire body. Fluids are taken, body parts are examined. It's very thorough. So, of course, samples are collected during an autopsy to assess under a microscope. Bruises, cuts, and scrapes are also examined under a microscope because they give information about how long the injury has been on the body. Again, he reiterated Tammy's cause of death was asphyxia and her manner of death was homicide. We'd heard that uh, in the opening statements from the prosecutor, from Prosecutor Blake. Mm -hmm. But this is the first time we're seeing it like from an ME. So asphyxia means it's simply a process by which a person is deprived of oxygen. They're not allowed to take insufficient oxygen for their life to continue. Uh, Christensen said there were no outward visible bruises or injuries that showed she died of those kinds of injuries. He said there was no indication that Tammy has a history of seizures and her brain was totally normal. Because remember, that's one of the things that Chad was trying to say, that yeah. she started having seizures and that she'd been collapsing and, and these
0: fainting spells and mm-hmm. all these terrible things that were bullshit.
1: Completely untrue. Yeah. So... He also said that uh, people who have seizures, there's often tongue injuries or bowel or bladder issues, and Tammy had none of those things. He also said it would be very uncommon for somebody at 49 years old that was healthy to start just having seizures. Right. There was just no indication in her medical records that she has seizures or heart issues. Then they tested for intoxicants. Blake asked if that meant poisons. He said, yes, that includes that. He said they tested for hundreds of intoxicants, illicit drugs, over-the-counter medications, insecticides, cyanide, heavy metals, phosphate positions, nerve agents, nothing was found. Nothing. The tox screen is what we've been asking to see forever. Right. So you know what that means? That means Tammy wasn't sedated. Tammy didn't have a heavy sleeping pill so they could just sneak in there and just put a pillow over her face. That means Tammy fought for her life while those two motherfuckers pinned her down and suffocated her. That's what that means. That is what that means.
0: That's the other reason why it had to have happened when Alex was there. Because she Mm -hmm. is a full-grown adult. Mm -hmm. There was no way that Chad, a full-grown adult who, by the way was way into fitness and was likely quite a bit tougher than old Chad. Mm -hmm. And so it would have taken two adult men to Mm -hmm. hold her down and suffocate her.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that she was asleep. Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that she was asleep and that they kind of sneak attacked her. But she fought. We know she fought. We know that now. So there was not a toxological explanation for her death. Court took a break at that point when they came back. uh, Christensen said that Tammy's organs appeared normal for the most part, but there was fluid in the lungs and a frothy dry foam in her airways. Yep. They did show pictures of that. Uh, At this point, they did show some some pictures that were shown to the uh, audience and some that were only shown to the jury and the prosecution and defense. Pink foam is a manifestation of pulmonary edema. He said he's conducted other autopsies where this foam has been present. Pulmonary edema is a physical manifestation of an underlying process. He said we most commonly see this kind of setting in an opioid intoxication and can be seen in drownings, heart failure, any number of things that can cause pulmonary edema. He said whatever caused the pulmonary edema would be the cause of death. In other words, the asphyxia caused the pulmonary edema. Yeah. Uh, Blake gave Christensen a paper diagram to mark where he located bruises on Tammy's body. So he used a blue pen and marked all the places on the exhibit. And then they showed that to the court. So it was a diagram of Tammy's body. He marked three blue dots representing bruises on her upper right arm. A blue dot on the lower right arm, a mark on the chest above her left breast, and a blue dot on the left arm over the bicep. On the diagram of the back, there are bruises on the back of the right upper arm, on the lower part of the arm, and one on the left arm.
0: I think the bruise on the chest was a knee. Was you what? Think about it. A knee, yep. A knee. Hands and a knee.
1: hmm Yep. Agreed. Agreed. One person, yep, kneeled on her chest, held her down tightly while the other person smothered her. Yep.
0: I don't think they even had to smother her. If they could pin her down, mm-hmm. she could not take in air.
1: Well, that, that may be true. Maybe it was the and, knee and that And did, maybe did... they
0: did smother her too, but she didn't have, they didn't strangle her. We know that. Oh, no. she also didn't have any... Um. Like there was no or anything. No, but yeah, a pillow yeah. could. Uh, somebody maybe did hold a pillow while the other person pinned them down. But like, if someone's kneels on your chest, guess what? You can't do breathe. breathe. You can't yeah. breathe in. You mm-hmm. can't expand your chest.
1: Yep. Uh, then they did indicate that the bruises most likely were pre-mortem or perimortem mm. because uh, he said it's pretty hard to bruise a body that much after death. These are things that happen while there's still heart, you know, heart circulating blood. Mm -hmm. So they did show some of her injuries to the courtroom. They did say the uh, injuries had to have occurred around the time of death. Then they talked about lividity. This is where blood pools at the lowest point on a person's body following their death. She had lividity in her back. Mm -hmm. And there was fixed lividity in her back, meaning that she had lain there a while. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, that
0: she was on her back the whole time. Yeah. After she was dead. Yeah.
1: Blake asked Christensen if lividity permits him to determine a cause of death. He said no. Blake asked what rigor mortis is. It's the stiffening of the joints and muscles a few hours after death. Blake asked if time of death can be ter- determined off of rigor. He said it can be looked at and helps, but the longer a person has been dead, the wider the time of death estimates would be. Uh-huh. So he wasn't there the day she died, as we know. So he's relying on the external information from the coroner to help determine when she died. He said, based on what Chad said about her being cold and stiff at 6 a.m., it's likely she died a couple hours earlier. I'm breaking with him on that. I still think this had to have been around 1130. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I'm not the Emmy.
0: <laughs> but right, right. But I mean, obviously, this had to have been a two-person job. There is no way that Chad himself could have done that without Garth hearing. Because mm-hmm. remember, there's a kid home the whole time this is happening.
1: Where was there?
0: Maybe there wasn't. It's... Maybe he wasn't home yet when this happened. Like Kat I said on Friday. Away.
1: I want to see Garth Daybell on the stand right goddamn now. I do too. I want to hear what he has to say. Mm -hmm. You know, he had said, somebody made a point. I'm sorry, I can't remember which one of you was, but had commented on one of our posts today about this, saying they wonder if the person who threw up in the bathroom was actually Chad after killing Tammy, Mm -hmm. and if that's what Garth thought was his mom throwing up in the bathroom. If maybe he heard someone throwing up and it was actually Chad and he said, Oh, don't come in mom's sick. She's throwing up. She's not dressed. Don't come in here or something along those lines. If, if maybe someone did throw up and maybe it was Chad.
0: Yeah. I I think that's very likely Mm -hmm. because if you hear somebody throwing up, I mean,
1: yep. Yep. So, uh, people in the courtroom said Lori did not look at the monitor that showed up Tammy's, uh, bruises showed her autopsy photos of course she stayed kept her head down keep keeping her little notes so what we do know from christensen he said they did look at other causes of death and didn't find any of them to be likely in tammy's death he again stresses that the cause of death was asphyxia by the manner of death was homicide and that's all blake had and that's where they broke for the day so that's essentially what happened today but i think that's pretty big news we've wondered about that uh yeah. talk screen for so long and right. honestly I, I i wish for tammy's sake she had been drugged my god can you imagine how terrifying
0: it's even worse to know that she wasn't she was but, just probably waking up in the middle of an attack
1: yeah with someone on top of her
0: yeah
1: yeah mm. keeping her from being able to breathe in whatever way and all those bruises on her absolutely uh confirm that yeah yeah oh. so after today we know for sure that Lori did help murder jj she yeah. did there's absolutely i have not that i didn't already think so but i think that uh, hair is very damning now is the defense going to mm-hmm. bring in a witness that tries to tear that apart a, a professional witness yeah of course they will mm-hmm. they'd be insane not to but when you
0: look at it with all of the other evidence Mm -hmm. It's just further confirmation.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, V.C. Laurie's notes. I'm pretty. I'm a goddess. People love me. (laughs) Or Mrs. Laurie Daybell in bubble letters or something.
1: (laughs) Well, back when she was still pretty bonkers to the bone at the jail, uh, we had been told that she was uh, filling notebooks with prophecy. Yeah. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what that was all about. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, the expert's going to say that's Lori's hair. I don't think they can get around that, but I think what they're going to say is that there's a million different reasons why her hair could be there. It doesn't really mean anything at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. They're going to talk about secondary transfer. They're going to talk about where that tape was before it was used to to wrap up JJ. They'll do all that stuff that we're all already thinking, but added to all of this other information, the compilation of evidence. Yeah.
1: I can't imagine that the jury didn't, that wasn't huge for the jury to hear that today.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I can't imagine there wasn't a collective, oh my God, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. So. We don't know where they're going from here. They keep breaking up, you know, the technical stuff with uh, less sciencey stuff, less technical stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm still hoping we hear from Garth. I'm still hoping that we hear from Ian. I'm still hoping we hear from Melanie Pulowski. I'm still hoping that we hear from Natalie Pulowski. Who else? Yeah. You know? I
0: don't know. I don't know at this point, mm-hmm. except for the experts that the other, uh, the cell phone experts, again, whoever has yeah. the text messages.
1: Yep. That'll be more FBI. I think mm-hmm. maybe that could be Rexburg PD. It, maybe it could be. Yeah. But I, I still think all of those things are coming, but I think that we're, we're moving right along. I'm not going to make mm-hmm. a prediction on how long this is going to last because nobody really knows and again, we're only about halfway through the uh, witness list-ish. right? But, you know, some of them, they just may not call. So we don't know for sure. The mm-hmm. Missouri friend. Yes, that would mm-hmm. be Audrey. That would be an interesting one for sure. Uh, also, what about Jason Mao? Mm-hmm.
0: That
1: would be an interesting one. I don't know. We'll see. And, and it may be that they've decided that they've told the story without needing to get a lot more of those players involved.
0: Right. I still possible.
1: think that, uh, again, I mean, they mentioned Ian Pulaski today, but I still think Ian is such a key witness. I'd be very surprised if they don't call him.
0: Well, because he walked in on this situation completely yeah. unaware, had no prior history. And so he did, he turned over a lot of information and his ex-wife, Natalie, also, yeah, uh, who got involved and got some information off a computer, I think, mm-hmm. and, you know, did some you know, other... Weirdly,
1: Natalie wanted to make sure that whoever these people were, that her children were safe being around them.
0: Yes. And promptly discovered that
1: they really weren't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Most definitely.
1: So we've got all of
0: that. And then just more of the the technology part of it that is so key.
1: Yep. Yep. So, yeah, plenty more. Plenty more to come this week. It'll be a very Mm. interesting week. So... I will be in the courtroom on Wednesday, Christy. You're going to be in the courtroom on Friday. Yes. Uh, not sure what do you know. What Dara's plan is this week?
0: She can't be there any other time. She's moving okay. this week, she so was sick.
1: right. Yeah. So uh, definitely a couple more days that we're going to have to rely on uh, other people in the courtroom. Thank God they're there. Yeah. Uh, but we will do what we can this week to be there as well. Nice so up. and we'll live every night like we have uh, throughout yep. uh, this uh, belligerent turned circus. But we will. <laughs> It's not nearly as belligerent without John Pryor, though.
0: It isn't, yeah. But that's the thing. I think with Pryor, you kind of see what the strategy is by the stuff mm-hmm. he's saying and doing. I think that uh, John Thomas and Jim Archibald are different because yes. we're not seeing what their strategy is so much, mm-hmm. except for the playing dumb, I think, is to play to the jury yeah. and is also to give the impression that they're incompetent when we know for a fact that they are not. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Well, and to dumb down the information, I mean, if you're on this jury, let's say you're on this jury, you're not a true crimer. You don't watch CSI. are getting on these juries. (laughs) You're hearing a lot of terms that you don't know anything about. Breaking them down into small bites is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you guys, thank you. If you want to support us, you can do so over at TrueCrimeSquad.com. Many mm-hmm. of you had. We appreciate you so much. So and don't much. feel like you have to. You guys are amazing. Oh, but yeah. we do really we appreciate, appreciate you the
0: being here. With yeah.
1: Us. Absolutely. Yep. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be keeping a close eye on things tomorrow. We'll be back for a live tomorrow night. And we will go from there. And happy May, by the way.
0: Yeah. May
1: 1st. Yeah. This year's almost halfway done. How? how I don't know. i'm not really but i mean we're kind of getting there yeah anyway also of course on the fifth there is a uh hearing for chad
0: Yeah, status it's happening
1: confidence. at in that same ada county courtroom so will the public be allowed to attend i would assume so we will see so we're it's hoping. Been open
0: to the public all along so i don't know why yeah. not but
1: well, that's going to be interesting because what are they going to do? Are they finally going to schedule this or then what will they have to schedule a scheduling hearing? They may It's this tedious, but I I'd really like to know ed- when Chad's ed- trial ed- is. Yeah. yeah. The prosecutor would probably like to know too.
0: Mm-hmm. I would
1: imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nicole said, I can't wait to hear the BS that comes out of Chad's case. My God. Can you imagine? Oh boy. Chad's an idiot. Just an idiot to not mm-hmm. uh, plead guilty now and get this I over with.
0: Well, I, I am sure that they, that his defense team is watching very closely to what's happening. And yeah, and that's why be. they're in, in court all day, every day and doing what they're doing, because mm-hmm. this is giving them a very good idea of whether or not they go to trial or not.
1: Yep. Yep. But this is my concern here, because I think from the outside looking in, it's really easy to look at it and go, this dude should plead. I mean, come on, look at all of this evidence. It makes him look so culpable, so guilty. His lawyer has a lot of hubris. He is very yes. arrogant. Well, he's not learned... as arrogant as Chad is. Yes, he is. That day in the courtroom in Fremont, where Archibald had filed a motion. <laughs> For so asking the court if Chad oh, and Lori God. could have a sit-down meeting together with their attorneys to talk strategy. And that's an extremely unusual request. They aren't allowed to have any contact, obviously, because they're co-conspirators. And But he said that they were talking to Lori about potentially taking a plea. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to do it without talking it out with her husband. So he said, I really just want my client to be able to have a conversation with her husband. Yeah. Okay. So that's their premise.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Sitting, what, 10 feet from them is Chad and Pryor. And Pryor hops up uh, on his pedestal to pontificate, all puffed up about discuss strategy. I don't, I'm not talking strategy. I have a strategy. We don't. He absolutely threw them under the bus.
0: It was so rude and shocking. Uh, Clearly, uh, Thomas and Archibald weren't expecting it. No one was expecting it. We were all just kind of dumbfounded looking at him with his red freaking face, you know? Yeah. It was was vicious.
1: It it was a real, ain't nobody's going to tell me how to try my case. Yeah, And the resting toad face just looked straightforward the whole time. He never he looked at Lori. No. He never broke, uh, you know, his character at all. No. And But th- that day I went, Chad doesn't stand a chance because his lawyer's making decisions based on his own ego.
0: Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. That was very clear that day.
1: And that's fine, Chad. You can get the death penalty for all I care. And you chose wrong, bro, in so many ways so that's it guys we better go everybody's probably ready to go to bed or have a glass of wine or do a something Mm -hmm. thank you all righty guys we'll be back tomorrow night take care of yourselves please this has been yet another production of the true crime squad bye everybody